With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona got a win in the Champions League that sealed up their group and another win in La Liga over Atletico Madrid thanks to a late goal from Lionel Messi. Barca B keep drawing and we're launching a major crowdfunding campaign with a major prize to be won. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm Brian Henderson, your host in Buffalo, New York. Joining me is my co-host and your tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's late there in Madrid, isn't it? I mean, dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> we live very different lives. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It is late. It's, it's about 11 o'clock. The game just finished, but I mean, I'm, I'm all good. I was prepared mentally for this long slew tonight, so I'm, I'm good to go. But first of all, I need to know, yeah. how did the palela come out? Oh, we made two paellas. Yeah. They were both delicious. Yeah. We made a veggie one and a pork and chicken. Nice. And they were both great, but... Just like Thanksgiving dinner always is, the stuffing or what we did with amigas, mm-hmm. like so we we got uh, Beyond sausage and then flavored it with chorizo spices. Gotcha. We used that instead of actual chorizo, yeah. and once again, it was the biggest hit. Nice, nice. Best dish on the plate nice. was the stuffing, just like it always is. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have that this year, so uh, we went to the restaurant last night. Everything was good. We just had a typical Spanish menu. I mean, you couldn't go wrong. We had cheese. Uh, gambas, uh, we had imbutido, which is all the cold cuts. You know, we had the jamón ibérico oh. and all the different types of cuts. So it was excellent. Uh, yeah. We also had pate, and then they gave us duck. So every, everything was good, but it was just not the traditional Thanksgiving meal. But we had about 17 of us, and it was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, next year, I'm going to have to try to incorporate some traditional things here at this restaurant. I don't know if I'm going to have to teach them how to cook it so they can do it for us or something. Just bring the cranberry sauce in the can <laughs> with you. And then that'll you got it covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as you, we actually got cranberry sauce in a can, and we just forgot to open it because uh, we had so many dishes going. Well, the good thing is that'll last you twenty years. So yes, yeah, <laughs> we'll still have it next year. Correct. I mean, as you saw, as you saw in the match today, and also you were talking about the Hitafe match. It's been raining since Friday, and I'm talking like ter- not torrential rains, but very heavy rain. So anytime you're just trying to get out of your flat or whatever, it's just been really difficult to navigate because everything's flooded essentially. So, uh, yeah, and it seems like it just won't let up. It's yeah, just constant. Exactly. Exactly. Which is very rare here for Madrid. I mean, it, it rains more outside the south or the north of Spain, but here in Madrid, we'll get, you know, some rain, but nothing like we had this weekend so far. Yeah. Really unseasonable or yeah, <laughs> really uncommon event. Exactly. Whereas here in Buffalo, you know, we had ice cold 
rain that was just just shy of snow or hail mm. and that's totally normal for us <laughs> we're well prepared for yeah. that. yeah well I'm, I'm glad to hear that the uh, paella was a success and everything like that so if i ever come to buffalo you'll have to cook it for me <laughs> oh i certainly will i'll gladly do that i mean we have so much stock because we made our own stock vegetable and chicken mm-hmm. stock we have so much left over and so much tomato puree left over that we really should just get on top of it and make paella again so we did have some friends who we wanted to have over for thanksgiving who couldn't make it because they had family plans mm-hmm. so we need to have a paella night soon so get over here yeah okay here i come just hop on a plane <laughs> here i come easy i'll swim across the atlantic here i come yeah <laughs> Well, so you mentioned the game, and uh, we're recording right after the Atletico match, the Sunday night partidazo. And Barca, they got the win Mm -hmm. in Madrid with a late goal from Messi. And the day before, on Saturday, or maybe it was earlier on Sunday, but either way, Real Madrid beat Alaves 2-1, also in a rainy match in Basque Country. So the rainy weather seems to be all over, but the top spot on La Liga is still tight. It is still tight. We're still leading, you know, with the goal differential, but again... This game was nail-biting. I mean, how many corner kicks we had? We, they had uh, numerous corner kicks. But more importantly, you know, this is going to be a race that is going to be neck and neck until at least, you know, the end of the season. Just because both teams are not dominating, they're winning enough, but there's going to be some games there where we're going to lose and they're going to lose as well. Yeah, and it's definitely going to make the rescheduled Classico on the 18th just that much more dramatic exactly. as far as results go. Exactly, and also it's a midweek matchup as well, so there's going to be a lot of things. I mean, the good thing is that we're we're playing at home first, so that's gives us a little bit of solace in that. But again, you know, from these last two matches, we just don't know what we're going to get. You know, it's the Jekyll of Hyde of the season. You know, and yeah. again, I don't know if you know after this international break, it may help us that we're playing so many matches in a row that we can build a little bit more momentum and a little bit better chemistry, as we saw with Suarez, Griezmann. And messy, but you never know what's going to happen, especially on the road. And the way Valverde continues to tinker with the lineup, I mean, he gives me my wish of Rakitic, but doesn't put him in the right position. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like I said, he he'll grant your he's like a genie, you know, <laughs> like yeah, you'll get your wish, but there will be some bizarre spin on it that makes you re-examine your own life. He's like the genie from Bedazzled, you know, where he's like, right. I want to be rich. And then you're like the drug dealer, you know, and then you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend your Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so like you get the wish, but like in a negative way. Right. And that's the idea. Right. So, man, you know, and, you know, people were on Twitter today were just on fire. I don't know if people were on fire because it was a partidazo game. And so, you know, everyone was on Twitter, it seemed like tonight. But just because you play midfield doesn't mean you can play every position in midfield, right? right? And this is one of the things, like, for example, Rakitic, he is more suited to be on the right. He's stronger on the right. He has better chemistry with Roberto and Messi. He's just a better person on the right. To put him in the pivot in the middle for Busquets, for example, you saw the flaws that he had. However, I still want him to start because I just think he's better than what we have on the bench, for example. And everyone was screaming, we should put Vidal in, we should put Vidal in, and you know, my feelings. <laughs> sure, sure. But sure enough, that happened. It did. It did, as always. And there was there was a very good reason why Valverde put Rakitic in the central, mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. pivot role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we should, we'll get into that sure. in just a little bit. Because today on the show, we're going to... We're going to recap the midweek match against Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, which Barcelona won, and they sealed the Champions League Group F top spot. So 
they have essentially a free game in hand against Inter, and then we'll also recap the Atletico match as well. Now, also looking ahead, this week is a rare thing. It's been a while since the team didn't have a midweek match or an international break interrupting their training. And we saw Valverde attempt a 4-2-3-1 against Leganes, and it was very rough around the edges. But now with a week off and 17th place Mallorca visiting the Camp Nou next weekend, this would be a good time to continue working on the 4-2-3-1 in training and try it again against Mallorca. I like that. Very rough around the edges. I mean, that is very. that is very exact, you know. Uh, I've been... Ho- it could use some sanding. For sure, for sure, right? <laughs> a lot of grit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. It's, you know, I want this formation. You know, I really want this formation to work out because I think it maximizes our potential. It keeps us defensively sound. And more importantly, our midfield don't have to run so much and they don't have as big of gaps as we usually do like tonight in the 4-3-3, for example, I think it would be a great opportunity, but knowing Valverde, he'll probably change it to a 4-4-2 just to spite us, you know, but <laughs> I definitely think, Brian, I think it's a great opportunity to try it out. And especially with Dembele being injured to use Fati on the left side and try to really, we need Griezmann, Suarez and Messi just to click more and more, you know, and if maybe this formation works better than the 4-3-3, then we should go forward with that. Yeah. I want to take a moment and talk about some FC Barcelona history because last Friday was Barca's 120th birthday. Club was founded on November 29th, 1899. There was much celebration on social media from the club and others, including us. They've reached another milestone. Congratulations to them. But also today, December 2nd, marks another anniversary for the club, a slightly darker one. In 1908, FC Barcelona was near extinction. The club membership had dwindled by two-thirds to just 38 members, and the team hadn't won any trophies since 1905. Vicence Reich took over the presidency from Juli Marial in November 1908, knowing the situation was bad, but resigned after just 22 days because he didn't believe he could solve the crisis. His resignation happened at a board meeting on December 2nd, 1908, 111 years ago today. Then Vice President and player Carlos Wallace stood up in the meeting and said, but is there nobody who is willing to save the club? If there is anybody, then all the players will back him up. And it was Joan Gamper, the founder, who stood up and took control of the club. He had actually never been president before. He was still a minor when he founded the club, and he preferred playing over presidential duties. But he threw himself into reviving the club with two big initiatives. One, to regain the members the club had lost, and two, to establish a home stadium. They didn't have a home stadium until this point. His efforts led to rebuilding the membership to more than 200, and it led to the construction of the club's first stadium, Carrer Industrio. Keep in mind, when Gumper stood up in that meeting and declared, Barcelona cannot die and must not die, they weren't the FC Barcelona that we know today. It was not fate that saved them. It took the work of Gumper, the rest of the board, and the players, and the people who agreed to be members. The club could easily have died in 1908, and none of us would even care today that some tiny football club in Barcelona went under in 1908. It happens all the time. This podcast is in a similar situation right now. We haven't yet grown to the point where we can sustain the show with advertising alone, and if you're a regular listener, you know that we fund the operation with support from members on a platform called Patreon. Our members make up 84% of our revenue every month. 
but the total amount we bring in isn't nearly enough to continue producing the show beyond this season. So we're launching a major crowdfunding campaign today that will run for the rest of the season. Our goal over the next six months is to raise a total of $64,000 to fund us all through next year. That averages out to $10,667 a month in Patreon membership every month from now, December through May. It's a big goal, an ambitious goal, but so is building a stadium. Gumper did it for Barca, now we're doing it for Barca Talk. If you can help us reach that goal, the podcast will be new and improved next season, and we won't ask for member support anymore. Now, since this is such a big goal, we're offering a big incentive. If we can reach that goal, $64,000, one of our members will win two VIP tickets to El Clasico in the Camp Nou next season. Not just ordinary tickets, VIP tickets. Again, we have to reach the goal, otherwise the lottery won't happen. If you visit our Patreon page, you can see how close we are. Right now, we're pretty far from the goal. So let's change that today. The full terms and conditions of this VIP ticket lottery to El Clasico next season. Again, that's next season, not the upcoming match in December. Next season. Uh, all the terms and conditions are on barsatalk.net and our Patreon page. But it's basically going to work like a normal lottery. We have three tiers of funding you can join at. And the more you fund the show, the more lottery tickets you'll get. And you'll get them for every month you're a member. Today, we're running a Cyber Monday special. Become a new or returning member today, December 2nd, and we'll double your lottery tickets for the month of December. There's a link to our Patreon page in the show notes. Join, help fund the podcast, get entered into this Classico VIP ticket lottery, and share it on social media with the hashtag FreeBarsaTalk, because that's what we want to do with this funding. We want to free ourselves from using Patreon to fund the show, so we don't need to do this kind of crowdfunding in the future. But we need to put up some really big membership numbers now, so we don't have to ask again later. Barca B are struggling with their own injury troubles, and it's led to a series of draws in the Segunda B division. Now, with the report, is Max Bluer. Barca B racked up their fourth draw in a row last weekend, away at Leida. Although that isn't a great run of form, 1-1 away at the group leader is a decent result. Even more so when we consider the number of unavailable players that manager Garcia Pimienta is having to cope with. Goalkeeper Lazar Sarovic, midfielder Ferranza Senadas, and central defender Jorge Cuenca were all injured and will remain so for the foreseeable future, while Dani Morea and Ronald Araujo were off with the first team, and Ricky Puj was suspended for having picked up his fifth yellow card of the campaign. For the fourth game in a row, Abel Ruiz didn't start as Pimi again opted to go with Hiroke Abe as a kind of false nine, and it was the young Japanese who headed in the equaliser from an Akiyeme cross just before half-time. Just after half-time, Ludovic Reich was carried off injured and replaced by 16-year-old Elish Moriba, for his longest outing for Barca Bears so far, and he was probably the team's most impressive player in the second half, even coming close to finding a winner with a shot that came back off the crossbar. Alongside Elisha in midfield was Yandro Oriana, one of the youngest members of the squad, who took advantage of Ricky's absence to make his second start in succession. A lot is expected of Oriana, and it's pleasing to see him take to men's football with relative ease. Another who's taken a step forward in his career since we last spoke is Musa Wage, the Senegalese right-back, who so impressed for Barca last season, finally made his debut for the first team against Leganes this weekend. Although he started off nervously, seemingly unwilling to make overlapping runs and attack space down his flank, Wage grew into the game and by the end was confidently asserting himself, both defensively and in attack. Wage was only playing because both Nelson Semedo and Sergio Roberto were unavailable, and the jury is still out as to whether he'll get significant minutes this season. Although the fact that it took until the end of November for the Senegalese to make his La Liga debut is not a good sign. The injury to Semedo and Sergi's suspension also meant that Barca Bay's current starting right-back, Dani Morea, made a first-team matchday squad in a competitive fixture for the first time. 
Off the pitch, articles continue to appear in the Barcelona-based sports press, alleging that Abodorich wants to go on loan in order to prove himself in a more demanding league. Mundo Deportivo claimed that in the summer he turned down a two-year loan to sporting club in Portugal, as well as offers from the first and second divisions of Spanish football. However, all of this speculation flies in the face of the simple fact that Rich isn't doing the business since Fulham Bay. After starting several games at the beginning of the season, Pimi has benched the young striker in recent weeks, and Rich should do well to make himself undroppable for Barca Bay before worrying about moves to the likes of Sporting. Turning away from Barca Bay for a moment, and the Juveniles had a very disappointing result last week with a 2-1 loss at home to Borussia Dortmund that saw them crash out of the UEFA Youth League at the group stage. Players like Ilaish, Arna Tenas and Conrad de la Fuente, all of whom have been involved with Barca Bay this season, were unable to prevent the two-time Youth League champions from exiting the competition at the group stage for the first time ever. At the time of recording, Barca Bay are in action against second place Castellón, as they look to continue an unbeaten run that currently stands at seven. Should the boys win, they'll be fourth on the table, firmly ensconced in the playoff places. Next week, Barca Bay visit Valencia's B-team before hosting La Nucia the week after. For Barca Talk... I'm Max Blue. Now, the next thing you're going to hear is either the match breakdown segment or an ad or two followed by the match breakdown segment. These ads only pay us about $40 a month. So become a member on Patreon, fund the show, get into that VIP ticket lottery to El Clasico next season. Now, looking back at these last two matches, first we had Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, match day five of the group stage in the Camp Nou. It was a 3-1 win. It was Messi's 700th game for Barcelona. Great milestone there. PK was in the stands, suspended on yellow cards. Longley had been injured, and I thought he was going to miss out, but he turned out to be fit enough to play. And Barca clinched the group with one game remaining against Inter. And then on Sunday, of course, there was the the late the late match, final match of the weekend against Atletico Madrid. That was a real nail biter, but it ended one nothing in Barcelona's favor in the Wanda Metropolitano with a late goal in the 86th minute from Messi. So to begin talking about this week, getting into the Champions League, sort of looking back to that match, Rakitic got the start in that game. So you got your wish. Correct. And then in like in the 78th minute, Vidal came on for him. And that was the most minutes in a game for Rakitic this season until Sunday when he played the full 90 against Atletico. Before that, it was like a 62-minute appearance in the 2-0 loss to Granada. So interesting. I had an interesting experience with this match because... I got off work and I watched basically the last 30 minutes of this match. So when I started watching this match, Borussia was dominating the whole match. And so I had a, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So I had a point of view of like, oh my God, we're not playing well and so forth, even though we were winning three to one at that point. So when I rewatched it, I was really kind of honed in on Rakitic. I did get my wish and maybe Brian. Uh, Valverde is going to start to utilize Rakitic more, especially, like you said, in the last match, he got the most minutes, and tonight he got 90, which I thought for sure he was going to get subbed off, and he didn't. So maybe Valverde is going back to the old recipe of just having Rakitic being the Ironman for him, as he did for the last three to four seasons. Yeah, maybe. And now, I think maybe he knew he was going to plan on putting Rakitic in for the Atletico match because Busquets was out on suspension. So that's exactly why Rakitic was playing in that central pivot role. He didn't have Busquets to choose from. 
But if you were to put Rakitic on the right, mm-hmm. who would instead would you play in the pivot? Oh, De Jong by far. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, that's a no brainer. It's so natural for him. He's faster. He can read the play. And then also with Arthur starting in this match uh, against Atletico, you can just see that you know we are so much better in our midfield passing. Now in the Borussia match, you know we did okay. You know we did better than we have been performing in the last couple of weeks. But again, Brian, we're still missing that midfield. I mean, how many times does the ball get played up the middle and everyone's just standing around? Like a lot. Yeah, a lot. And that is one of the <laughs> things that drives me crazy right now. And especially this in Atletico match tonight as well. It's it's the pass goes up the middle and there's three people just standing around yeah. watching. You have the triangle to make the pass, but it's it's a remember before with Javi and Yester, it was like they were never Doing two touch was one touch passing and movement all the time. And now what's happening is we're doing three touch, four touch, going up, stopping, turning around and bringing it back. And it's just very sluggish. Now, luckily for us, you know, we got the results and the midfield seems to be better. But again, Brian, we talked, you know, a couple of weeks ago that my best midfield is Dijon, Rakitic and Artur. Right, right. Now, a really sad moment in that Borussia match, the Dortmund match, uh, was in the 26th minute when Dembele had to come off with another hamstring injury. Uh, he's sitting on the pitch with both his boots off, a very, very strange sight. And then when he did finally come off, you know, he's visibly upset, understandably, saddened, frustrated, went straight into the locker room. I really felt for him more than any other time he's had to leave with an injury in this moment. For sure. I mean, this is such a conundrum, you know, because... There's obviously something physiologically happening to him that they are not whatever is not working. So they have to really think outside the box, be extreme about it and just try everything known to man. Because, again, he barely played 20 minutes, you know, and it happened again. And the thing is, you know, we see the potential and the talent, but you're only going to get so many chances at such a big club like this before you just I mean, I remember I saw a graphic here, Brian, on the sports show where how many injuries he's had, and it's crazy. And he's had a lot of injuries yeah, man. in his short time and at the club. It, exactly. And the thing is, is what what's strange to me is that in Dortmund, he didn't have as many injury issues. So there's definitely something that is happening here with the training or just whatever it is, right? Um, that they need to really address that because obviously the money they've invested. But again, Brian, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and so forth just saying, you know, He's just not trying hard enough. That's why he got injured. No, this is an injury like this has nothing to do with him playing Fortnite longer. Nothing, nothing, right? From all reports, he's been doing fine lately. He's been at practice. He hasn't been late. He's been doing all the good things that he's, you know, like a good pro is supposed to do. I, I just really feel for him because I love seeing him out there. You know, I love the potential explosiveness he has for our team. And especially, you know, with our front three, we are not the fastest. We're really heady, good at shooting and passing and super talented in other things. But we are not explosive. And he gives us that explosiveness that we desperately need. And, yeah, I just really feel bad because, you know, 10 weeks, man, that you know, that's two, two and a half months essentially. And you just lay around. You just have, you know, with a hamstring, you have to just wait for it to recover first. You're doing the rehab and everything. But then... You know, you're always going to have in the back of his of your mind of just how far can you push it before something happens again. Yeah. Now, as far as the scoring, we did score the three goals first. So we went ahead by three goals before Dortmund was able to get one back. And 
all the attackers got one. So that was nice, even distribution of goals. 29th minute, Suarez. 33rd minute, Messi. And then 67th minute, Griezmann scored on a counterattack with a perfect assist from Messi. It was his first goal in seven appearances and his first Champions League goal at Barcelona, bringing him to a total of five. And I looked this up. You know, by this time last year, he had scored seven goals for Atletico, four of them in the Champions League. So while his performance, like his goal scoring, may appear a little disappointing right now, he's actually tracking pretty well with where he was at last year. Yeah, for me, the most important is the Griezmann goal because Messi finally passed him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's been passing to him more. I think yeah. that the whole, you know, the whole controversy of like Messi doesn't trust Griezmann, he's not going to pass to him. I think maybe it, that was a little overblown, or it was temporary. For sure. I mean, again, it was such a great pass. I'm just glad that they were able to get on the same board because it just it just breeds confidence. You know, when you can depend on a teammate that's actually going to score, then you're just going to pass to him more and more. And in tonight's Atletico match, there was a couple of times where Messi should have passed to Griezmann, especially like on the goal that Messi scored. But Griezmann did other things on that play that opened it up for Messi. So for me, it's more important to see the progression of the three of them to, to go together. But I still hate that Griezmann is on the left wing because I just think we are not utilizing his skill set. You know, we are basically doing the same Coutinho thing. But also, you know, if you think about like for FIFA, right, if you play FIFA, you put a striker out on left wing just because you want to have him play, his points go down, right, because he's not for that player. And that's what you see. Griezmann constantly wants to go up the middle. He wants to play make. But again, the other things that he's doing for us, pressing, running hard, defensively, all those other things that Suarez doesn't do, he's doing really well. Obviously, we want to see him score more goals. And this this one, for me, was just a really nice goal from top to bottom. A really great pass. I mean, it's a typical Messi through ball. And Griezmann one-timed it on the far right corner, which was really nice. Yeah, very nice finish. Uh, now, Dortmund did get one back. They started with, with Jaden Sancho on the bench, but he came on at the start of the second half because their attack, if anything, was missing his speed on the wing in the first half. He turned out to be Dortmund's only goal scorer in the 77th minute uh, when... Furpo gave him a little too much space, and he managed to get a really nice shot off and got one back for Dortmund. But, of course, it wasn't enough in the end, and we got the 3-1 win. And now we're skating through to the next round, and Inter is just a gravy game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's good for us because I don't know how our team would have reacted with that much pressure (laughs) right now, you know? We're very fragile right now, you know? (laughs) That's French, Brian. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was Italian. <laughs> and and you know this is the thing the the Sancho thing you know I would have started him you know it, it's kind of funny because Dorman really reminds me of Barca like they have the potential for explosiveness and goals but they're so inconsistent and when, when they play on the road you know they're gonna lay an egg and that's essentially kind of what happened you know I just kind of looking in the mirror of the team obviously we were able to get those three goals and really put pressure on them but that Sancho goal was a really nice goal as well and again Ter Stegen had another great save to push the ball because they were really attacking like I told you Brian when I was watching those last 30 minutes I was kind of looking around the bar and I was like Am I watching the right game? Like, I thought we were winning and dominating because I was reading everything on Twitter. And all of a sudden, as soon as I watched the game, I'm like, uh, they're, they're, cause they had the ball so much. We were chasing so much. They had a lot of opportunities. And you saw, right? When they were desperate, they were just throwing everything in the kitchen sink. They were shooting. They were crossing. They were doing, oh my God, they were doing everything. And so again, that is our weakness because we hate physicality and we mm-hmm. hate getting pressed. So that was, you know, I'm glad we got the result because now going into the San Siro, 
we can just roll out any team we want and be okay with it. So you just happened to catch it at a point where we had already more or less put the game to bed and we were just sort of absorbing their attempts to come back that weren't very successful and we absorbed it well enough. Yeah, I, I started watching at the bar at the 60th minute. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they put, they put up a stat of the possession for the last 15 minutes after Sancho scored, and it was like 82% Borussia Dortmund <laughs> or something <laughs> crazy like that. I was like, good God. Like Hunker we are down. I know, you know. I mean, I know 90 minutes is a long time, but still, like, to give up 82% possession in 10 minutes is, is insane. Yeah, especially for what you expect from Barcelona. Exactly. exactly. I mean, this I mean, goes getting to the point. I hear so many commentators always saying, like, oh, that's not the Barcelona way. I'm like, have you been watching yeah, the yeah. last couple of years? Like, this is the new Barcelona way. It's a bummer. This goes back to the, the topic of what we were talking about earlier with the midfield. You know, we used to be able to put teams away and just, you know, take their soul away from them because they could not take the ball away from us, you know? Right. And now what we do now is we we get so lazy and we just kind of give them the ball because we think, oh, we're good enough. They can't score on us. But that doesn't work anymore. And you could see, like, if they if they come back three to two, then all of a sudden that gives us a little bit more pressure. And we can't get back into gear to try to score that goal. And, you know, we used to play that keep away, which is really nice to really just wind the clock down. And now we can't even do that. I mean, I can't remember the last time where we really were up to nothing and just put the game to bed for the last 10 minutes where we had possession with more than 65%. Right, right. No, we definitely have more of a tactic of defending. Yeah, yeah. Defending attacks, giving up the ball, and then defending. And that's Valverde ball. Exactly, exactly. That's what you get. Hashtag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But those are all the main points, really, from the Dortmund match. And if there's anything that we should point out from the Atletico match, again, very rainy night in in Madrid, and and thus a very slippery game. Things that should have gone fine went a little slippery. Yeah, I mean, this is wheelhouse Atletico type of conditions. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, if you, if Atletico, if you're a fan of Atletico and you're like, okay, we're going to have a chance to beat Barca, you need to have it rain because that that levels the playing field always. And just the way we've been playing defensively, especially with PK back there and his ta- last performances, you know that the ball just has to bounce one way or another way. It skirts away and Atletico will have a chance. And sure enough, they did in the first 20 minutes. Atletico, we're, we've had our injury issues, of course. You know, we we able to have Sergio Roberto at right back, but Semedo's injured. Alba's injured. Junior Frupo's playing, of course, at left back. And Atletico had their own injury issues to the point where Simeone had to put Saul Niguez at left back for this. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like a playbook out of Valverde, you know, just uh, we're going to Well, put I don't some... think Simeone had any other options. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing. But, you know, for whatever reason, I feel... When Simeone does a was a change that drastic, I still think they're going to be more prepared than if Valverde did it because I just feel that Simeone is just a better out and out tactical coach and the way he communicates with his players and what they expect. I mean, you always know you're going to get a 4-4-2 under Simeone and you everyone knows what the principles are. You know, with Valverde, you're just if you if he puts someone strange at left back, let's say we never know what we're going to get. You know, there's not that communication. Right. So, yes, it is a random position to put Saul, but I I mean, he didn't look that lost. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, they even tried to attack that side yeah, yeah. a little bit more, and he managed. Yeah, exactly, because, it's again, when you are in that system for so long and the coach 
and everyone knows the principles of with the space and everything, you can plug and play much easier because it's just one system, you know. And that is the beauty of the Simeone system. He's had it for more than five years there, and everyone knows what they expected of them. Yeah. Now the Atletico had multiple chances. Uh, some off corner kicks that were all really threatening and nail bitey. Some from the run of play, but our man, our man between the sticks, Ter Stegen, he kept the sheet clean with some ridiculous saves too. I'm just pointing out the really fun ones. Twentieth minute on a point blank shot off a ball into the box from Joao Felix. Fortieth minute save on Morata's header on a corner kick, and then there was a seventy second minute one as well all of which were nearly impossible saves that Ter Stegen was able to make. Yeah, these weren't the, like, poster saves. You know what I'm saying? Where he was, like, horizontal pushing something like this. Right. These were the saves that really highlighted his reflexes because he did enough to put a body part to deflect <laughs> the ball and keep it out of goal. And to me, that's super impressive because, especially on the first one where the Atletico player was one-on-one, and all he had to do was go left or right, and it would have been a goal. And luckily, he went center. But, but, you know, Ter Stegen was in the right position. He's always in the right position. And he was able to do enough, right, to get to, to not allow the goal. And again, you know, what I mean, what do you expect from the number two German keeper, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. He's so That's good. That's exactly what I expect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, German he, keeper. he's so good. And, and again, he for me, has been the MVP this season because if he allows a goal in this, just by, I mean, and it's no fault of his own, right? I'm just saying because of the opportunities and whatever, then all of a sudden the game definitely has a different feel and different outcome as well, right? But he's able to keep the shutout, hold the pressure enough for our team to finally wake up and to finally do something on the attacking end. And that happened, you know, 30th minute of the first half, essentially, 40th minute. Yeah, because we really needed him to keep that sheet yeah. clean so that the game didn't shift in in character. We needed to keep it scoreless until Messi could find the way through in the 86th minute. For me, it's the symphony of everyone for this yeah. play. Now, Messi obviously gets the credit because it's a great finish and, and the moment and everything. But if you watch the play again, your boy Roberto did an excellent run. He He ran all the way through the middle, so he took a defender with him. Then Griezmann cut across and he dragged Oblak a little bit to the left. And by doing that, that gave enough space for Messi to finish on that left side. Because if Griezmann doesn't make that run, Oblak is a little bit more centered and he has a better shot of making that save. Now, I'm not saying he's going to make that save, but he has a better opportunity. But with the all the flowing of everyone, with Roberto making that run, Griezmann crossing, the way Sir, uh, Suarez let the ball run off of him, it was just a perfect kind of symphony of everyone working together. And for me, that was a really great sign because we had not seen it in a lot of games, you know, where a lot of players are involved in one play of an attack where you're creating kind of a diversion for the defense and the defense is nowhere to go. And obviously they didn't go with Messi and Messi just had the typical curler that he does at the top of the box. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you pointed out all of the other activity from these other players, their movement that drew Oblak and the defenders in various places to make space for Messi. Because, of course, Messi is the greatest football player ever. We know that. But there are these other things. You know, it is a team sport, and there are these actions that his teammates can make to help get that result. For sure. And at first, you know, it's funny because I thought he was going towards the middle at the beginning of the counterattack too much. 
I thought that he had to continue going that right flank a little bit more because he was always coming hard in the middle. But obviously it worked out on this play. But like I said, you watch that play again. Watch how Griezmann continues his run and Oblak has to take into account, you know, because he sees Messi can either pass or shoot. And obviously by seeing Griezmann, you know, come across there, it leaves a big gaping hole for Messi to shoot and he takes takes care of it. Yeah. Now the lowest point for Barcelona was in the 79th minute when PK took a really heavy challenge to his leg. Umtiti wound up coming on for him in the 83rd minute. PK seemed to be in a lot of pretty serious pain and I'm checking Twitter right now and I still don't have any uh, official reports from the club as to uh, what his status might be, but it didn't look good. And with, with all of our injuries, yeah. uh, this would be a very bad time to lose PK as well. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing with this, it goes back to the Lajos thing, our boy, you know, mm. uh, again, as we talk about, he loves being the center of attention. My God, how long does he take out that card and come across the field? I mean, he loves the he's kind of like the bullfighter of referees, you know, the way yeah. he's like the showman of everything. And as you pointed out, I think it was last year, I think you said that Lajos will push it to the line with yellow, but he doesn't like to eject players. Right. And again, this happened the same thing because before this, PK came in on a hard tackle. I don't know why. There was no need for it. He <laughs> missed Morata, but he did enough to create a foul, and that could have been a second yellow, and Lajos didn't do anything. I would have said it would have been a yellow card. Right, right. Despite the fact that he started with the yellows early on. Correct. As he always does. Minute. As he always does. Yeah. And there was a total of eight for a piece. So he's an equal opportunity cautioner. I mean, he's the only ref I really know in La Liga. <laughs> you know? What about Hernandez Hernandez? Well, well that's that so nice. too. They named him twice. Yeah, that, that too. But I, he, for his name rather than his yellow card performances, you know? Right, right. And again, uh, I think Vitolo should have gotten ejected with this injury because he missed the ball completely and went on a very hard tackle. So I think he should have got a red card off of this. But again, uh, I hope it's nothing serious. I just hope it's a serious knock. But the good thing is we don't have a game this midweek, so it gives him some time to recover. But with UTT coming into the game, you know, I was really screaming. They should just like they should have just yanked PK off. And did you see him trying to walk it off? I was like, that's what we really need. We need PK at forty percent in the last ten minutes of an Atletico match with the rain. That sounds like yeah. a good plan, you know? Yeah. Like, I, no, I was like, you take him out now and just put him TT. Like the tests that they were doing with him. I knew that he was hurt because you could tell like if he, it's a stinger or something, like the way he was hobbling and stuff and the way he was passing, I was like, take him off the field. He's a detriment and Longley couldn't do it by himself. And right. I'm glad that Valverde made the change because now TT came in and he was good as always. You know, he was able to win a couple headers right away and able to solidify and get that last tie. But, you know, there were still some iffy moments, Brian, in the, yeah. in the last two minutes of the match. No, absolutely. And I think the only reason that PK came back on at all, he knew he was going to come off and they were going to put a TT on, but he didn't want to leave the team without him for those couple of minutes that it was going to take for him TT to get out of his warm-ups and, yeah, yeah. and into his kit and whatever, get his shin guards on. Yeah. But again, I would just rather just get him off the field and just bring someone else back there just temporarily just to have, because I'd rather have, for example, let's say Griezmann. Griezmann. To, there you go. That, you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. I'd rather have Griezmann out there to help for that three minutes instead of having a wobbly PK that a ball's going to go over the top and he's going to fall. You know, yeah. like that's the thing. So, uh, yeah, I understand he didn't want to keep the team. But again, it's times like that you have to kind of decide, am I going to be more of a detriment or am I 
going to really help the team. But we'll we'll see what happens with the injury. Hopefully, it's just a, a knock, and he'll have this week to recover from that. Yeah, and of course, we'll have an update for that uh, on Friday's episode when we scout Mallorca for the weekend in La Liga. What What was your overall impression of this match? Did you think we showed any signs of improvement, or are you still kind of we got the victory, we move on and get those points? So no, it looked to me at least like a return to form, but it doesn't look like anything is getting more dialed in or improved in any way. I just feel like we have such a disconnect between our attacking three and Ter Stegen. You know, there's so many gaps everywhere. And I really don't know how to fix the midfield. You know, I don't know if we should put more midfielders or less, you know, and which ones, because... It doesn't really matter if you if you are a Vidal fan and you want him in, he's still not doing anything consistently. And like I said, I want Rakitic, but he's not doing things consistently. And so we're kind of in this flux where it's like we have all our opinions about who things should start in the midfield and so forth. But really, no one is rising to the top. Maybe just Dijon, right? I mean, he's the only one in our tour, right? And again, I just I just can't believe that Valverde cannot figure this out sooner because the sooner he does, the better we're going to have a better performance and more consistency. But again, the idea that he took our tour out in this match, you know, I just it drives me crazy because he's the key to having our possession. He's the only one. Right. And he <laughs> hasn't been playing that much anyway. Exactly. Exactly. But this is such a it's such a weird feeling because again, like you said, you know, we've won these last two matches, we've gotten some goals. I mean but again, I just I don't I I don't know. I still I'm still weary because I don't I don't know where this is going to break my heart, you know, in February yeah. or March. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, going back to the whole midfield thing, I don't know how to fix the midfield either, obviously. But uh, I'm very good at pointing out problems. So, <laughs> and this is less of a technical thing, but this reminds me of when I was talking with Diego Lorraine mm-hmm. over the summer before the start of this season, and he talked a lot about a lack of identity, yeah. and particularly in the midfield. You know, it's not that we don't have good midfielders, and it's not that we have too few or too many midfielders. It's that there doesn't seem to be an identity to how the midfield plays. There's three guys put roughly in a position, and in, and I think that they're out there with not very much direction, so they essentially wind up playing pickup-style football. That's a really great way to look at it. It's because that's what it looks like. It's like they've never practiced with each other. You know, they barely know where the other player wants the ball. And, and that's really kind of rare. Again, I don't know if it's just because Valverde is not a true and true Barca product. And so he doesn't have that DNA of teaching the tiki taka and what is expected of it. Or it's just EV's just not interested in that. And he just wants to get points and he doesn't really care how it gets done, you know, and. That's, I think I mean, that's more it. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be tiki taka. It doesn't yeah. have to be the triangles. It can be something else. But whatever it has, whatever it has to be, it has to be organized. And it doesn't really look organized right now. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing is like when he was in charge of Athletic Bilbao, they were doing a lot of countering over the top type of style. And I would even be open to that right now because at least it's a style. <laughs> Right, you know, right. <laughs> I can identify, but man, it's not it's just, our preferred style, but yeah, at least it's, not, it's something. It is something that I can identify with, and again, I it just drives me crazy because we just we have such hopes and aspirations, and we just don't want Messi to waste another year again. Yeah, and that's also what leads to the three touches instead of one touching because nobody knows where anyone is going to be. Yeah, no one can anticipate. I mean, the good news though, Brian, is that uh, Messi most likely is going to win the Ballon d'Or tomorrow, so that's going to be the news here in Europe. Yeah, and that's another thing that we'll be able to talk about on on Friday's episode ahead of the Mallorca match. 
And for the listeners, you know, maybe you listen all the time, maybe less frequently, or maybe this is your first time listening. For most of you, you've been with us for a while, and that means there's something about this show that you value. There are tons of podcasts you could be listening to, and you choose to make this podcast one of those. So I don't need to tell you that it has value. You already know what you value about it. The question is, do you value it enough to become a member on Patreon today and commit 2 5 or $8 a month until May to fund us? Our goals are high. If you think that someone else will do it so you don't have to, think again. We need about half of everyone listening to join the crowdfunding effort now if we're going to reach our goals. So don't wait. Become a funding member now and you'll get us closer to hitting our goal and you'll be entered into the lottery for two VIP tickets to El Clasico in Barcelona next season. Follow the link in the show notes to our Patreon page to become a member today, December 2nd, and double your entries into that drawing for the month. Thanks to Max Bluer this week. Barca Talk is a production of Sound at Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media, and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Fisca Barca. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.